Acts, the 10th chapter. This may read a little different than yours. I don't know what version you have. Acts, the 10th chapter, we're going to read the 1st through the 8th verse. Mine don't, doesn't have any chapter division, so. So it just reads story-like. Are we ready? In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was captain of the Italian regiment. Okay, so you get the picture. He's a Roman soldier. But he's not just, he's a captain over an entire regiment of men. Now look at this. Here's, this is going to blow your mind. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. Now, I don't know if you mark in your Bible or not, but if you if you have that particular terminology regularly, circle that because I think it's very important. This man did two things that was important that captured God's attention. Number one, he gave alms. If you read it in the in the King James, he gave alms, which is money out that you keep in your uh, left pocket to hand out to the homeless, to the poor, to those who have no means. So he did two things that the Jews require that got God's attention. Number one, he gave to the poor. He had a good heart towards others. And he prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. His giving to the poor went directly to God. His prayers that he prayed went directly to God. He says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. And as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants, and he told them what had happened, and he sent them off to Joppa. Now, if you go on with the story, you'll find out that God spoke to Cornelius, and then he spoke to Peter, the rock. And Peter was summoned by Cornelius, and Peter shows up. And he can't believe his eyes and he can't believe his ears. 
that a Gentile, a Gentile is faithful to Yahweh. An outsider is doing better than most of the insiders. An outsider has God's attention. And Peter gets a great lesson that day because the vision that Peter gets is not to call unlawful what God has ordained. He learns not to have a Jewish prejudice any longer, but that God is the God of all nations, all people, everywhere, all the time. On that day, Peter learned really in my, in my thinking more than Cornelius because on that day he learned it isn't just about us. It's not about our four and no more. God's got a much bigger plan. This excites me because I know what God has spoken to me. This excites me because I know God is ready to do something beyond what we can get our mind around. We're going to stand back and just be absolutely, this is, this is a, a good hillbilly word, flabbergasted. We're going to be flabbergasted at what God has done. And who comes through the door. And who we meet at Walmart. And who we meet in the streets. And who in City Hall will allow us to come in and pray. We're about to be flabbergasted at what God intends to do as he wraps up the culmination of all things in this age. He's going to use you in extraordinary ways. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, I told you. So I don't want to just spend a lot of time yapping. I want to get to the point. Cornelius is a Gentile. He's an outsider according to religious law. But the beauty is, the Jew hasn't figured it out yet. They're still trying to figure it out. But Jesus came and upended all of that. And he turned prejudice over on its head because he went out of his way just to get to a Samaritan woman. She was Samaritan and a woman. Ah. Jesus has already opened the door and opened the minds of the apostles, even though they still believe that salvation is of the Jew and the Jew only. P 
Peter on this day finds out that the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the heart of God, the mystery dispatched from heaven into the kingdom lifestyle here is there's a mystery in the word which means that the Jew and the Gentile in God are one. One in the same in God's heart. God loves the Gentile as much as he loves the Jew. And this man's regular prayer caught the attention of God. And then his acts of faith going, God, it's not just enough to love you, I'll love others. That he was already practicing the two laws of Jesus. Love God. Love God with everything. And then love your neighbor the same as you would love yourself. Reach out, help somebody the way you would want to be helped if you were in their position. Oh, his heart was ripe and ready for an introduction to the Messiah. But what blows my mind is that he's a Gentile. He's from Rome. Rome has a plurality of gods, little g. They have a God for getting up and a God for going to bed and a God for money and a God for, and there's even things I can't even mention they had a God for. And so their life is spent with all this futile praying and worthless praying to dead entities and if you get any action at all, it's just a poser. It's just a demon that you're appeasing. It's just a demon sneaking in to try to get a little bit of worship that belongs to God. Yet somewhere, somebody influenced this man. And he saw something in the Jews, he didn't see in the Roman gods. And he never probably had a proper introduction to Yahweh, but he mimicked what he saw. Doesn't say he gave sacrifice or anything. He just prayed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where the Jew missed it in their day. It's never been about all that. It's always been about God wanting your heart. That's why God came into the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day to walk with Adam. He wanted heart-to-heart -heart fellowship. Here he is, having been influenced, and he's practicing Jewish religion. But what I love the most, it says he prayed regularly. This doesn't, this, this doesn't suggest something unusual. It just simply means often. He prayed a lot. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and go, he prayed a lot. A lot. 
Ask your neighbor, do you pray a lot? In other words, he was disciplined. He was habitual about it. In other words, habit. It was a habit in his life. But it wasn't, as I started off worship today, it, it, it wasn't a left brain thing. It was a right brain, spontaneous, here I am, God in the moment connected thing with Cornelius. <laughs> He's a faithful believer doing an act of faith. Prayer is one of the works of a true believer. He's faithful. He's not a casual person in prayer here and there. You know, some of us are, are kind of like archery prayers. Once in a while, we hit the target. Yeah, we'll shoot once in a while. Sometimes we aim, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we pray just before we drop in bed. Some folks who are too timid to pray in the restaurant, they'll drop their fork on the floor and go, Lord, bless this meal while I pick this fork up. Come on. And some people, if you ask them to pray, they're like, out loud? Here? Here's what I like. I love to go to public places and see somebody when they're in a situation. And here's what I love to do, Larry. I go up to them and I go, can I pray for you? And they always go, sure. But they think I'm going to go home and pray. They don't know that I'm going to make this moment a prayer closet right here on aisle 13 next to the beanie weenies. <laughs> oh, I love the panic on their face when they see he's going to do it here. I've never had anybody run off, but I've had people I could feel their impatience on the other end. But I've also never done that where the spirit didn't show up and the person felt something, knew they had had an encounter because of it. So this is a man with a habitual release of faith in God. This is the place of true confession. If I'm going to confess in this life, I'm confessing to God. Doesn't do me any good to confess to you. Doesn't do me any good to run around looking religious. In fact, Jesus said, you know, that's what the pagans do. They run around in the streets with vain babblings, thinking they're going to be heard because they just talk all the time. 
No, I'm going to make my prayer count. I'm going to come into the presence of the one and only one who can move heaven and earth, the one and only one who can split the sea, the one and only one who can feed 5,000, the one and only one who can make a difference, the one and only one who could save me from sin. I'm going to the one who can make the difference, and there I'm making my confession made. There I'm taking with me the word and the promises he's given to me, and I'm going to remind him of what you've told me. I have it in my heart, God, and I believe you to the nth degree, and I'm hanging on until it's in my hands. I'm trusting you. This is my habit, Lord, that I'll come to you and to you alone until this circumstance changes. I am yours. I'm here. I'm coming to you. I'm knocking on the door like the little widow. I know, Father, that you're nothing like an unjust judge. You're ready to hand me what it is I need when I come, and I'm coming to you asking you, Lord, release your blessing to me. Mm. I'm going to say something. Don't anyone take offense at what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it boldly and not afraid. Many people in the faith community have turned confession into a, a legalistic practice that really borders on pharisaical. And I'm not here to bang on movements. I'm not here for any of that. I'm just here to state a fact. Running around confessing it all over the place to everybody that it makes no difference is wasting your time. But releasing it in the presence of God, reminding him that is where the rubber meets the road. That is where faith is truly birthed. So why, why do we try to put burdens on people that if for one second you say something contrary to something you've prayed 20 years, but one time you have a moment of weakness and you say something, we try to put on them a burden that, oh, you've just unwrapped 20 years of prayer. Come on. You think God's not bigger than that? Come on. Come on, God. This is why we have the Holy Spirit, our partner, to help us when we're weak. I don't always get it right. I know it's hard to see. Oh. I just don't always get it right. But my heart always wants to get it right. So let's do away with the religiosity and let's step into the faith realm where God exists. Let's use our faith for more than salvation. Let's use our faith for growing and maturing and becoming. And Cornelius' prayers open up an entrance into the kingdom for all mankind, not just the Jew. I want you to catch this. The reason Cornelius is in the canon of the word is God wants you to understand your prayers are heard. And your prayers in faith with correlating responses works, working the word itself can open a doorway for someone else. 
not just you. Oftentimes when we pray, it's all about us. This is why we've been in intercessory prayer this whole entire month is because we're learning that it's not just to pray about our need. We need to be praying for the needs of others. We need to be praying for others to be free. We need to be praying for others to get what they need from God. I want you to understand, directly because of Cornelius' prayers, millions have come to Christ. Millions because of this man's faith. And Peter stood there dumbfounded because not only did this man receive salvation when he prayed for him, he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and began to pray with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And on that day, Peter had to go, well, this is much wider than I thought. I guess God's plan's bigger than just Israel. And this day, when Peter showed up and Cornelius stepped into what we call the kingdom, everything changed. And the time of the Gentiles started ticking. And you and I are in the last fleeting moments of the time of the Gentiles. And we know that in Acts how it all started with a big boom, a big bang, a fire, a tongue, a wind, a noise of a wind a people in the streets receiving 3,000 being added to the church the first day. That was just the, the first round of altar call for the Jews. And now it's been opened even wider because of what Cornelius has done. And so I want to ask you today, what exploits of faith have happened in your life or the life of someone else around you as a result of your prayers. Sometimes you'll see those exploits. Other times you may not. Cornelius was possibly a product of someone who never knew how he was affected by their witness. Yet it turned the world upside down. His prayers were heartfelt and filled with faith. Proof of his faith to me was in three things that I want to leave you with today. Remember, this is the man who opened it all up. This is the man who made entrance for you and I through his faith, praying. His prayers were heard by Yahweh, and grace was extended, and mercy arrived at his door, and his eyes were opened like Paul's eyes were opened, and he began to see the plan of God, and he became the first fruit, 
And the word says that not only he, but his household. So here's three things I want you to get in a takeaway today. The first thing that was a marker of this man's faith is his home was structured around belief in God. This is why God stopped and sent Christ to him. His home was structured around belief in Christ or in God. First God, then in Christ after this encounter. Second, he was regular in prayer. He had a habitual prayer practice of faith release. We don't release faith just once. You release it your entire life. Every time I come to the master, I release faith. Every time I call upon his name, I release faith. Every time I lay my hands on you, I release faith. Every time I agree with you, I release faith. That is my job. To release my belief in the one and only one who can change the situation. So one, his home was structured around belief in God and Christ. Secondly, he was regular in prayer. And third, his giving was not only aimed at God, but aimed to fellow mankind in trouble. And I'm reminded of the word says, if you've done it to the least of these, you have done it to me. This is why he got God's attention. If you've done it to the least of these, you did it to me. We don't think about that when we roll down that car window and, and three-fourths of the time we know it's just a drug addict. Come on. Who's just going to take that money and waste it somewhere? And we don't think about when we roll down that window, we're, we're handing money to God. Because this might be the one and only chance this person has, especially if you can gain audience with them. If they're asking for a meal, pick them up and take them somewhere and get them a meal so you can conversate. Ladies, don't do that without a male with you. Don't just throw money out the window. Pray for them as you hand it to them. Because God is attached to your faith. And if you hand them money, if that's the only opportunity you have, and you can't pull over, you can't grab them by the hand. Don't just let them take the money. Grab them by the hand. Put it in their hand and hold their hand. And pray blessing. And pray God awakens them to his truth. It might surprise you. Chains might fall right I got to finish. So what caused Cornelius, a man in a pagan system of many gods, to turn to a monotheistic worship of the Jews? Well, I'm sure he heard of the Messiah and his exploits. And I think his idols left him flat. 
His idols were coming up void, dead, no good. think his heart told him there's more Romans the second chapter the 14th through the 16th verse out of the message Bible says this when outsiders who have never heard of God's law follow it more or less by instinct they confirm its truth by their obedience they show that God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no, right and wrong. Their response to God's yes and no will become public knowledge on the day God makes his final decision about every man and woman. The message from God that I proclaim through Jesus Christ takes into account all these differences. Let us treat each other according to God's law written in our hearts and ask Christ to lead you to the Holy Spirit to direct you for even greater light inside. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that we are challenging ourselves in our prayer life, and we're in a place right now, Father, of intercession. I thank you, Father, that for this church, you have declared intercession and evangelism for this year. And God, we want to get our hearts right and get the atmosphere prepared for when we bring them in so that they can encounter you immediately. Father, there's a world out there who've been fed a bowl of lies. Lies about you, lies about Jesus, lies about the Holy Spirit, lies about the church, lies about church people. And they're about to encounter us, Father, in a way that's favorable. And we want to measure up, Father, we want to be the releasers of faith. We want to be the lamp lighters of the last, of the last, of the last moments of time. We want to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We want to show Jesus in a favorable light. And we want our world to respond in like. We want to see souls run to the altar. We want to see struggling Christians run to the altar of deliverance. We want to see, Father, the hurting, the broken, the downhearted, the poor come and find you and get the, the turnaround that they need in their life. But it starts with us. Like Cornelius we have to be in regular prayer and structuring our household for belief in God. And we have to be giving. Father, help us in these three requirements to carry out your will, your way today. 
I ask it all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Don't forget at 5 o'clock we're going to be having the uh, meeting for Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flame. Uh, so make sure you, you put that. Hey, good. Put that up on the screen. Um, real quickly, one last thing before we leave today. If you're here today and you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, you can. It's not hard. It's as simple as just coming and saying, Papa, Daddy, Heavenly Father, I'm lost. I'm broken. I need you. I'll do it Jesus' way. Let Jesus be my Lord too. And I'll do it his way. And I'll let you lead me. I give you all that I am and all that I have and all that I hold in forevermore, God. I will surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that sincerely, come and see me right after service. One more thing. Final closing. I'm going to ask and put out a challenge today. We're coming back Thursday night for intercessory prayer. Last week was powerful. I should have started week one with last week's teaching, but okay. Live and learn. But from now, starting tomorrow morning, everybody say tomorrow morning, starting from tomorrow morning until Thursday night when we get in here. So that means all day Thursday. I want us to go on a media fast. I want us to turn off the television. And I want us accept a text or whatever you need to do for business or for communication to a friend or whatever. But stay off of Facebook. Stay off of YouTube. Stay off of your video games. And let's dedicate that time in prayer until we return Thursday night. I promise you, it will be a phenomenal result. Now, you're all shaking, you're smiling, you're happy with Pastor. But if you're going to commit to it, I want to see your hand. I have a photographic memory. Of course, it's an old Polaroid that fades out real fast. Yeah, awesome. Oh, now I've got record. <laughs> I've got record. If you can't, we understand that. But listen, listen, you made a commitment now. You made a commitment before men and before God. And so let's do this thing, and let's show up Thursday night. If you weren't able to make it last week or the week before or whatever, come this week. There's room for you.
We do this together as a body. This isn't a one-man show. So let's come and let's turn our world upside down. Now get out of here. Church is over.